0: Welcome to the Black Queens On Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Welcome to the podcast where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss racial issues within Michigan performing venues. My name is Ashley M. Lyle, and today I am joined here with a very popular, very fantastic DJ by the name of Problematic Black Hottie. How are you today?
1: I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me
0: yeah absolutely I've been wanting to do this for a while with you like I told you before ever since the artistic director over at Planet Ant told me about you so I'm really Mm -hmm. excited to uh to get this interview going Mm -hmm. with you
1: I always love hearing when I'm I come in highly recommended by by other people it makes me makes me feel really good so I was happy to hear that when you said that
0: yeah So let's just start off. Why don't you describe to me your style of DJing?
1: Mhm. Yeah, that's a good question. I actually kind of think about that pretty often. Well, my style of DJing is really vibe and like energy focused for me. I like to I like to create a mood, a vibe when I when I DJ. Um, and I think that that's really my favorite thing to do. I like to play a lot of R&B. I'm an R&B kid at heart. So I play a lot of R&B. Femme rap. I prefer girl rap and femme rap for sure. Future beats, Afro beats, for sure, for sure. World music, dance music, and, and things like that. I try to focus on more feminine sounds and creating a more feminine energy when when I DJ. Well,
0: then I should definitely get you in contact with a really, really fantastic nerdcore rapper. Her name mm-hmm. is Crimson Alchemist. And oh, I actually came name? across... Yeah, I know. Right. I came across her a couple of years ago when I first, uh, not first, but when I went to Yumacon mm-hmm. and she was sitting on a panel full of nothing but guys. And they were talking about rap culture and anime. And she, mm-hmm. like I said, she was the only female on the panel. Mm-hmm. And then when I got the chance to actually listen to her music, her music is dope. It is so dope.
1: Oh, my gosh. And you said she's local?
0: Yes, she is. She is totally local. Cool. Yeah, she's got this one song called Agni Kai. You definitely need to oh. check that out. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely send you her information. And she'll probably, you know, and she just actually, uh, February 14th, she just dropped her EP. And, and I, I believe it had, I want to say four I can't remember if it's four or seven songs. It might be four songs. But, you know, when she was explaining to me the creation behind her EP and it's it just it just sounds absolutely beautiful and romantic and majestic. I was just falling in love with the EP just from her telling me this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I uh, in March I did what is women in hip hop showcase. I wonder if she's ever done that. I'm I'm trying to think. I think she was she was talking
0: about it. I don't think that she was part of it, but okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd have I'd have to talk with her and see what she says. So you're a a black woman in the industry of DJing, and it's largely dominated by white men. Can you tell mm-hmm. me what that's like?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was a fact that I didn't. I guess I felt it, but I didn't really realize it for sure until I became a DJ. And then I found out that like actually like nine out of 10 DJs are men. So yeah, it, it can be pretty annoying as having to navigate anything male dominated can be, you know, a, mostly just like my, my skill sets, maybe not being taken as seriously or having to prove myself in ways that probably man or a, a guy that's on my same level probably doesn't have to have to think about but I've also been also experiencing like men not wanting to share opportunities and not wanting to share knowledge or being more open to sharing opportunities and knowledge with with um with other men uh has been really annoying but I've also been really fortunate that I've connected with with some of the right people to to get where I need to get and also just having having faith in my skills and uh and in my journey and just knowing like you know whatever is for me is for me and frankly no no man can can get in the way of that is really how how I look at it
0: so what kind of stereotypes have you come across as a uh, black woman dj
1: I'm not sure. Uh, I really, I don't think about that stuff, because I just really don't (laughs) care. (laughs) But I think because of the rapidness of the success that I've experienced in the Detroit scene, people probably wondering what I've done to to either deserve that or to to get to, to where I am, how fast I got to where I am. So, you know, just sort of, things like that questioning my talent questioning because i it, and my image i think is was well, always just been an important part of of me and so also maybe thinking that i use my image or like my attract, attractiveness to to get me Uh, more places. And even if I do, it's like, okay, (laughs) whatever, like men use male privilege to get where they need to get. And so, you know, having to leverage whatever, whatever it is that you have to get where you need to be, but also just the fact that I was just something that the city needed and was looking for. And I seemed to provide something that other DJs didn't seem to to cater to. I think has been a, a major part of why I've been successful. Because uh, honestly, like when when I became a DJ in Detroit, it's almost like have you ever arrived somewhere and people are like, "Oh my God, thank God you're finally here!" Like we've been waiting for you. Like that's literally what it felt like when when I became a, a DJ in Detroit. It felt like people were like, "Oh, thank goodness you finally arrived!" Like we've been waiting for you this whole time.
0: Like you finally brought some color to the mix or?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also just because I created space and I create space for, for women, for femmes, for for queer people to feel like when you play music that people like and that they want to hear at parties, they feel seen, they feel heard and they feel comfortable. And that's just what I, I was doing, you know, like men just weren't playing the music that men don't think about women's tastes. They don't think about women's music tastes. They don't, they frankly don't care. I've literally verbatim had male DJs say to me, you made me think about women's music tastes. <laughs> 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 yeah, Okay. So, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I'm just playing music that people want to hear, and people also I think need to hear because what's an important part for me is also introducing people to music and sounds that they that they haven't heard before.
0: So then tell me what what does your audience look like? Does it vary from venue to venue, or do you have like a, a regular spot that you go to where? of course before the virus where you had a consistent distinctive look to your audience members was there more uh were there more white people that were at the show were there more black people more women more men
1: well usually I play all over the city I Mm -hmm. had just gotten a residency at Paramita the record shop and wine bar so I was there every Thursday but that was my only consistent gig that I had everything I mean being a DJ's pretty freelance you you know you get them as they come kind of situations so I'm really fortunate that I had a residency and I usually would have Thursday Friday and Saturday shows so I'm really really fortunate in that but yeah I mostly played all over the city different venues different parties different events festivals art shows art openings things like that and as for the demographic of people that follow me and are my audience, I'm actually pretty surprised at how diverse, I'm, I'm very pleased with how diverse my fans are. It actually can be kind of stressful sometimes because I'm like, okay, how do I play music and sounds for all of them but definitely a lot i have a lot of black women fans for sure i have a lot of queer fans as well definitely i surprisingly do have a larger white white fan base than than i anticipated having and i also very surprisingly have a pretty large middle-aged black women fan base as well so yeah those are sort of the the demographics but on my like instagram according to like my follower breakdown yeah the i think i have like 60 yeah 60 percent women from like 18 to to 35 here in in detroit is like the the biggest chunk of like my my following Mm, okay Mm -hmm. that's interesting
0: I, I think it's really important, too, when you were, especially when you were talking about how, how when you would have that moment where you walked into a room and everyone was like, Thank, I'm so glad that you're here. You know, it, it's really important to, for for someone such as yourself, a Black woman that is able to connect with their audience in a mm-hmm. way where their white counterparts cannot. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because it, it, I, go, I go back to Yumacon because it it's, it's, that, it's that same issue where at the rave, for, for those of you that don't know, Yumacon is a is an anime convention where people come together and discuss their their mutual likes, loves of anime, pop culture, television, movie series, and whatnot. And the Rave, which is just a party, The DJs that they have there are normally techno DJs, you know, so they're just constantly playing techno music constantly, constantly, constantly. But then the moment that they actually play a song that, you know, Mm -hmm. that is within the popular music realm, then the party actually gets hype. But then they Mm -hmm. only play that one song and then that's it. So, and it kind of, fall, for me, that falls flat. I, I like techno music. I'm not super into it like that. Like maybe uh-huh. some of the younger kids are. But there was uh, last year at Yumacon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, a, a young a young DJ, he was playing, he had set up his entire s- setup and everything, playing outside of the rave.
1: Mm-hmm. And i
0: I swear to God it was such a huge turnout mm-hmm. that it pulled people out of the rave and into the hallway, which was where mm-hmm. this young DJ was, mm-hmm. young black, young black man. And he was playing a whole bunch of different, you know popular black black songs and
1: Mm -hmm.
0: he was really getting the party going and that was probably the most fun that I've ever had at a rave or rave adjacent you know Mm
1: -hmm. but that's
0: only because not just because he was playing black music but because he was playing popular music that Mm -hmm. that people know and it's so important because all of the DJs that they normally have and in the rave are normally white men DJs yeah yeah I've been going to that convention for 13 years and I can't even tell you when they've had a black DJ or mm-hmm. even a white DJ. I'm, I'm sorry, a black DJ or even a woman DJ. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, totally. Granted, it's, it's been a minute that I've actually been to the rave at be simply because of that, because it just doesn't pique my interest anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't know, I just was tired of going to parties, and yeah, most DJs were men, and just waiting for them to play the music that I wanted to hear, and they just weren't, and so I was like, you know what, let me just do it myself, <laughs> honestly.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's, I think, what honestly gets us as artists like going, especially like I was telling you about the uh the Facebook live conferences that I've been having with other black actors. We got fed up with what was going on, so we just mm-hmm. took it into our own hands and mm-hmm. created this platform where we talked about the Michigan theater's racism that's going on in there and how mm-hmm. it can change.
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then I I realized, like, at first, I didn't think that I I sort of downplayed the importance of being a DJ. I was like, oh, you know, it's not that important. You know, the word isn't that important or or what have you. But then when I really realized like yeah, 9 out of 10 DJs are men and they don't care about women's music taste and they don't care that much about playing women's music either. Uh, And then I realized like, Oh, my God, like, no, this is a really important job, because DJs are the middle, the middle person between artists and the public and DJs are the ones that shape and control what the public is listening to. And then when I realized that I was like, Oh, my God, this is so important. And if DJs are just like men, and they're only playing like, men's music and not caring about women's music tastes or women's music or women's culture and preserving those sounds and women's music like that's really important and so that's when I really started to take being a DJ seriously was when I realized we're like sort of like yeah we're sound shapers we're culture shapers and what we play or don't play is sort of like um I said this when I was talking to Billboard but it's sort of like a language, like if you don't speak a language, then it dies. And so if DJs don't play certain music, then that music dies. And so that's when I really started to realize like the importance of being a DJ and the importance of being intentional about the music that I'm selecting.
0: Yeah, and it, and it's definitely important. I, and, and I'm glad that there that there is a DJ like you, that there are other DJs like you where they definitely feel that it's necessary to speak the language of music to keep those conversations of music going, you know? Right.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Explain to me what your goals are as a DJ and uh, what do you hope to achieve long-term? Do you have any milestones that you would like to achieve at some point or milestones that you've already achieved?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have milestones I've already achieved, surprisingly, and definitely milestones I I am definitely aiming for and want to achieve as well. Yeah, I I would love to make DJing like a a career, hopefully a high five-figure career. Yeah, because there are DJs out there that make mad, mad, ridiculous amounts of money from doing what we do. Uh, And I would not mind being one of them. I really want to be a traveling DJ. I would love to be able to play music all over the world, especially back home in Africa. That would Mm -hmm. be super amazing. I'd love to play international festivals for sure. That's my goal. I want to do stuff like Afropunk and, you know, things like that. And yeah, I've already achieved some pretty cool milestones already. Before COVID happened, I got to open for one of my favorite R&B bands, Free The Free Nationals. I'm definitely trying to open up for some of my favorite rappers. Like I'd love to open for like for Jungle Pussy or like some of my other favorite femme rappers. That would be really really cool. Mm-hmm. I played at MoPop last summer, so that was really amazing. And yeah, when I did MoPop Fest last summer, I was like, oh yeah. I definitely want to be a, a festival a festival DJ. I played Kareem Riggins' um, infamous party, and I, my name was headlining alongside Common. So that was really Ooh. cool. Mm-hmm.
0: That is cool.
1: Yeah. I've DJed in uh, Atlanta, which was um, really amazing. So I DJed a- A3C Fest down there. And I DJed one of my favorite parties. I'm definitely aiming for New York and and Cali. Hopefully soon. Definitely wanna. I definitely wanna DJ in London. There's so I just really mess with London DJs for real. Mm-hmm. I wanna do Boiler Room. Yeah, there's a lot that I I definitely still still am trying to achieve and and accomplish as a as a DJ. But yeah, those are some of the things. But definitely being an international international DJ for sure.
0: That's cool. That's really cool. So how do you um, build your song list for Mm -hmm. different events? Do you have the same song list that you go by for each event or do you do you uh, recreate a song list based on what event you're going to?
1: (laughs) It depends on how much time I have for sure. If I have enough time I definitely I'm kind of uptight about my craft and so I tend to I'm like, oh, I have to make a a new set list for for every event. But uh, usually I'll ask, you know, whoever booked me a lot of questions about the event. It depends on what time I'm going. It also depends on the venue, if they have seating or if if it's a standing venue. Uh, If they have seating or if it's a standing venue, then I can play. The kind of music I can play are very different because if it's only a standing venue, then I definitely have to play like, more hype music to keep like people's bodies entertained. but if they have places that they can sit and lounge then I, I have a little more more range in what I can play mm-hmm. And I also yeah I like to ask a lot of questions about the event like you know what's the event about? what's the vibe you're going for? What are you trying to accomplish with this event? I especially need to know what they're trying to accomplish with the event so that I can play music that they, that can produce the outcome that they're looking for. So that's really that's really how I, I try to look at it. So those are some of the questions that I ask. And then usually I'll put my library on shuffle after I, I know those questions like, what time, am I, what time am I playing? That's also a really important question. Mm. Because if I'm opening, then I play different music for. than if I'm playing at, like, 1 a.m. So if I'm playing at, like, 1 a.m., I definitely have, like, I know what I'm playing. Like, I have to play, like, peak party music and things like that. So those are some of the questions I ask. And once I know the answer to those things, then, yeah, I just put my library on shuffle and then... Sometimes I I actually get a vision of the set list and I'm able to to curate it pretty fast, Uh, but sometimes I don't. So honestly, curating a set list can take me anywhere from an hour to a month, honestly. So yeah, it's usually a feel. I try to create a flow. I sort of look at it. I try to make it feel cinematic or yeah, move in a different way or like, yeah, I try not to just... Some DJs be showing up and just like, Oh, I'm gonna play whatever and just like freestyle. But that's definitely, definitely not my style. Uh, And I also have too much music in my library, I have to make a set list. Because if I don't, you know, make a set list of however many songs I'm going to play, then having just the option of like 1000s of songs will leave me like paralyzed. I'll be like, oh, my God, I literally don't know what to play. So um, I create set lists because I, I really enjoy organization as well. And so it's just easier for for my style to sort of have a set list that I'm working within instead of just having my whole library just there to choose from.
0: So explain a moment to me when you had to <clears throat> deal with a difficult client and they doubted your ability to entertain a crowd because you're a woman or because you're a black woman.
1: I'm thankful that I usually like usually if a client hires me, it's because like they they know what I do and how I do it and that's why they hired me. Usually, I have less experience dealing with difficult clients than I do with difficult <laughs> crowds. It usually be the crowd that's like, "Oh man." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, usually it's the crowd that I have uh, a tough time with, because, you know, so many personalities, and it can just go any kind of which way. Or sometimes the, the client will have hired me like the wrong DJ for the kind of crowd that that the event was for. So that's what happens sometimes. Like, I remember a couple was that last Valentine's Day? Maybe last Valentine's, um, not this year but last year, a friend had or an acquaintance had hired me to to DJ their are their Valentine's Day party and he told me that he wanted like R&B and all of this stuff. And, you know, I I get there. And so I curate an R&B Valentine's Day set. And the crowd like absolutely hated it. Like they were not into it at all. They were not really whatsoever. This guy came up to me and he was literally like, you know, can you can you play some hood bleep music? That's not my style at all Mm -hmm. yeah and everyone left I was like wow okay
0: they were ready to 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 party to to really get down and
1: yeah but I was hired to play an R&B set so that's what I got prepared yeah (laughs) So things like that are like what what I'll experience or like people just thinking that all DJs just play anything and whatever and are just like open format and can play anything on the spot and it's like no, that's not the case at all like we have our sounds and our preferences and you know genres that we don't care to play or don't like to play or and don't play Mm -hmm. so yeah i'll experience things Mm -hmm. things like that or yeah i was asked the other day to play a christian set and i was like "Ooh, (laughs) no (laughs) i am not the dj for that. <laughs> so just like funny stuff like that.
0: So what other genres of music don't you mm-hmm. play?
1: I don't play techno. Okay. I definitely don't play techno. Um I'll play house but not techno. Yeah, I I definitely refuse to play that. Like I don't refuse like it's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um and what else? Oh, top 40s. Mm -hmm. I definitely will not play top 40s because I mean, you can, I don't want to play the music that I like you all know, like that's to me, if I play, if I don't play like music, if I don't introduce my crowd to music that they've never heard in the set, then to me that I failed as a DJ if I only mm-hmm. play, I'd be, I'd be so disappointed when I hear another DJ and they only play music I know. I'm like, oh, well, thanks a lot, I guess. Because I really think like one of the most important jobs of being a DJ is introducing people to new music. And so people just be wanting to hear me spin the exact same songs that they hear driving in their car. And it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like I reflect used to do that Mm -hmm. so yeah that's another thing but mostly I just play I'll play what what feels good for me like I can only play music that that I enjoy I have to have fun too Mm -hmm. if I'm not having fun then I mean it's like whatever for me Mm -hmm. like I want to enjoy I want to enjoy the set as much as they do
0: tell me what type of moral support do you get for your DJ career
1: yeah, I guess, you know, things like, yeah, being told I'm someone's favorite DJ. I get, I feel really good when people come to my events and they're like, oh, my friend, you know, said that I would really like you and the music you play or, you know, people bringing their friends to hear me spin at sets or people being excited that I'm playing music that they listen to and that, you know that you know, I feel really good when they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you spun so-and-so song. Like I haven't heard any other DJs playing that. Like I love them or I love that track. And, you know, things like that feel really good. So like my favorite things to hear from or feedback to hear from like my DJ set is, you know, I've never heard that song or for me, it's a good DJ set if I hear these three things. Like if I hear that, you know, they've never heard that song and they want to know what it is, or they forgot that song, and they still love it, or that, you know, that it was just like, or they asked me like what a, a track was. So for me, it's a it's a mix of those things playing music that they know, playing music that they don't know, but should, and playing music that they forgot Mm -hmm. those are like those are the things that I try to aim for so when people tell me those things that I know that that I've done a good job yeah just coming on supporting me showing up sharing flyers things like buying merchandise things like that
0: how about family support
1: yeah my mom uh well my dad was he was the first famous dj in my home country so he was extremely excited and happy When I told him that I wanted to be a DJ as well, he was like, hell yeah. When I told him, I I was like, dad, I want to be, I want to be a world famous DJ. He was like, sweet, do it. You know, he made it sound like it was so easy, like just going around to the corner store or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he was all about it. My mom, she came and visited me from Kenya last summer. And so she came with me to all my gigs and she got to see me do what I do in my community and who I do it with and who I do it for and she became like you know extra supportive of my DJ work because she was like oh wow like this this is really cool and and important what you're doing so that was really awesome so yeah my parents are are supportive and since my dad is an artist he's definitely all about it
0: That's great what uh, what's his DJ name
1: uh, his name was DJ Frazy and also mm. my uncle My uncle is in Atlanta. His brother, he's also a DJ. His name is DJ Gazelle because he's really tall and skinny. Okay.
0: That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. What are some things that that you do to keep keep your mental health in check and to keep yourself ready for any event?
1: I think for me, the most important thing is listening to a wide variety of music. Honestly, one is that and also trying since I become a DJ, listening to music has taken on a little bit of a different meaning and experience for me. So I've been trying to go back to listening to music just for enjoyment and pleasure and listening to music that I don't intend on spinning as well is also important but definitely having a wide range of music that I, I listen to is uh, is helpful and very inspiring and helps with how I experience other music, interpret other music and like figuring out how to how to put different kinds of musics together. So that's one of the things that I like to do, watching other DJ sets, listening to mixes, stuff like that. Oh, and also visual things like watching, watching things is also help like music videos and other other things that are that help me with just like creating a vibe or creating a story with the music that I'm playing.
0: Do you have a specific uh, genre of music that you listen to that you normally don't spin?
1: I've been getting into like weird experimental African music lately Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't necessarily play just because I don't think I really have the crowd right now for that. And yeah, sometimes I like some classical music. Yeah, slower stuff, more chill things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really don't get a chance to play like slower, slower, more relaxed music. Uh, Definitely not at events usually. Yeah, I don't get to play as much R&B as I would like to. So I listen to a a lot of Mm R&B, definitely.
0: So what kind of advice do you have for aspiring DJs?
1: I always say, like, you as long as you know how to count music and you know your music; those are the two most important things. Yeah, and just have a have a unique a unique sound. That's the most important thing. Is yeah, not trying to like. For instance, I I stopped. I'd stopped listening to one of my favorite DJs. He he does a mix every week, and I stopped listening to to him because I just really wanted to make sure that I I was developing my own sound and style and taste and, you know, not just trying to like mimic, mimic his, I really wanted to make sure that I had my own sound personality and aesthetic. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that I think are like really important. So yeah, know your music, be able to count your music, find your own sound aesthetic and style. And yeah, learn how to how to Use your your equipment. I think are some of the the most important things. Okay, so we're I'm getting to
0: the final question, and this question is called the Queen's Request. Mm. So I would like for you to suggest one or two queens, Michigan queens, whether uh, whatever genre it is, DJing music, poetry, what mm. have you. Uh, that we should be looking out for?
1: Mm, that's a great question. There's a lot to choose from, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so I would definitely say some of my favorites are Super Cool Wicked. Uh, she's a phenomenal um, R&B Artist, singer, and I think I'm pretty sure she produces her music as well. Mm. She's absolutely one of my favorites. I think she's she hands down should be up next and Aya Simone, who is an incredible black femme harpist mm. and is is truly incredible like I become obsessed with the harp because of because of her. Uh it's just so ethereal and angelic. Um and you know, you don't see too many black women, uh black femme harpists out there. Uh so mm-hmm. those are two two of some of the ones that I'm I'm thinking of. And they're both here in Michigan? Yeah, here in Detroit. Oh fantastic.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Well, is there anything that you would like to
1: promote? Any social media information you'd like to drop? Yeah, just my Instagram at problematicblackhottie. Everything is on there. My website, problematicblackhottie.com. I have some more info. You can find all my social medias there. Also find some of my mixes if you wanted to hear some of those yeah right now I don't have too much to promote since uh everything is still kind of kind of on lockdown on my end and in my industry so yeah those are just the things that that I have to say
0: well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I really, really enjoyed this conversation with you. I've been dying to speak with you for the longest, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, is there anything else else that you'd like to say?
1: Honestly, like just remember that what's for you is for you and no one can get in the way of that. That's
0: great. That's, that's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> thank you again.
1: No problem.